Hi there, this is Jacob Msiba, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Well, we are engaging on a theme for our term, which is grace and truth. Amen. How many of you are blessed so far? Man. So I was listening to the uh, message um, that was preached by Pastor Hope last week. By the way, it was her debut uh, preaching as a pastor to preach on a Sunday full sermon. Amen. So I was jokingly saying that you were an experiment as Hillcrest Camp. No, but you were privileged. I mean, I was listening to her. I mean, it was, she killed it. It was just, you know, I was like, wow. You know, what a powerful um, uh, message. I enjoy her laugh. Quite a very interesting man. So, but it was a powerful message. And um, because last week I didn't, you know, even get to, uh, preach myself the, the 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 message I was preaching in another church. A friend of mine was celebrating 17 years, so I had to be with him. So, but I was so blessed uh, by the message last week under grace. Amen. So uh, today, because it is Heritage Day, we are um, just adding a little twist in it. Amen. But we're st- still within the. Um, same boundaries, we are going to preach the message titled, The Grace Heritage. The heritage of grace, if you want to, but uh, the grace heritage is our subject for today. Amen. I'm going to read Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 32. You know, the Bible is very diverse. There's absolutely nothing that you will not find in the Bible. Amen. I'm going to be reading in the uh, in the basic English, the Bible in basic English version, translation. It's not on your you version. You have to really find it somewhere. Uh, the PBE translation, I think. Acts chapter number 20, verse 32, it says, And now I give you into the care of God, take note, and the word of his grace. And the word of his grace, which is able to make you strong and to give you your heritage among all the saints. Say the grace heritage. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your word. We pray that, oh God, you may speak to us and challenge us and just stir our hearts up this morning, oh God. Reposition us, realign us. Draw us closer and nearer to you, to your will, to your plans, and to your purposes, O Father. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Let's start off by defining the word heritage. What is heritage? Um, uh, I was talking to other pastors during the week, and I said to them, I'm this person who, when I'm doing something, I want to know why am I doing it. I just don't want to be involved in something, do something, and not know why. Amen. And, and, and part of what um, I always avoid doing is to just go with the flow in terms of especially, you know, the calendars where you find because it's this, 
day, um, and then we align to that as a church because we're trying to be relevant. But I don't want to walk into that blindly. You know, I have to know why so that I can be able to be accountable. So probably that's why we are even taking time because one day we'll find ourselves celebrating. <laughs> Simply because it's a public holiday on the calendar and we as the church we are saying, oh, it's what, what day? Um, and not knowing why and what does it mean to us? as Christians so that we can be able to put everything into perspective. And particularly when we are talking about uh, heritage within the context of Africa, you have got to tread carefully. Are we together? Amen. So what is heritage? Heritage, number one, is property that is or may be inherited. So simply put, heritage is an inheritance. Are we here, Bazalwan? Number two, heritage also is a special or individual possession. It is an allotted portion, what you are apportioned or given. Hence, it can be, you know, valued objects. It can be qualities such as uh, maybe, you know, people will say you are as humble as your father. It's part of your heritage. It's something that uh, you have received. And sometimes when we look around our nation, there are um, certain buildings that uh, are only, you know, if you were to be blindfolded from another country and, and land in South Africa and then somebody uh, removes that blindfold and you look around, there are certain things that you'll be able to pick up instantly that will say to you, I am in South Africa. Are we here, Bazalwan? That is, that is also part of our, our heritage. The, the, the Hebrew word heritage or translated uh, as heritage in English in the Bible, it, it simply means a possession or an inheritance. Amen. And specifically speaking, heritage is anything that is passed down from one generation to the next. Are we here? Anything that is passed down from one generation to the next. That is basically what um, heritage is and what it is about. Now, we, we can have heritage from men's work. Uh, if you labor as all of us are working towards something. I mean, we are born into this world, you work, um, you, 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 let's start maybe with your education, then you, you have a career or a business. These are the works of your hands. Are we here? And, and as you accumulate all of these things, you, you will end up having to pass them on to somebody. Amen. There's a song um, that, that we often sing in, during funerals that says, Amakuku. Amen. Because there is absolutely nothing that you accumulate here on earth that you can take with you to heaven. Are we here? You have to pass it on to somebody. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2 verse 21 says, For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. Yet, it says, he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. 
this also is vanity and a great evil. <laughs> because sometimes you work hard for something and, and you sacrifice. Um, but of course, because you cannot take it with, uh, at the end of the day, you have to give it to somebody. And that person can uh, end up not valuing uh, what you have left as a heritage for them and they can squander it. But we thank God that we as the children of God are not one of those. We are those who are going to value anything that is handed over to us. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 22 again says, So I perceived that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works. What you have worked hard for, what you have labored for, rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. If you've worked hard and you bought yourself a car, rejoice in it. If you've worked hard and you've bought yourself a house, rejoice in it. Don't, don't let anyone make you feel bad, you know, for what you have worked hard for. And then the Bible says, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? So you don't know what will happen after, after you are gone with that car. So you might as well enjoy it. You might as well enjoy it. Have fun, you know. Uh, I remember one day having a conversation with my father. Um, I can't remember specifically when he was still alive. And uh, I can't remember what was I encouraging him to, to buy or to do with his money. And he said to me, no, 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 I'm not going to touch my pension money or anything. That is, that is money for my grandchildren. And I said, yeah, well, you mean well, but you must also enjoy it, you know, while you are still here. But I didn't win um, that conversation anyway. So, <laughs> uh, but I was trying to look out for him, amen, because he didn't want to spoil himself. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 18 again says, yeah, is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun. All the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. God has given it to you. It's yours. Have fun. Take yourself out. Go to that restaurant. You know, spoil yourself. Get a good meal. You know, just, just one day, Paul, you know, after you get that salary, you know, you don't owe anyone an explanation. If you want to go to that expensive restaurant, just sit down and spoil yourself for once. Na enjoyment, right? Uh, as long as it's not going to be a, a habit, you know, and, 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 and do it even when it is not necessary. But every once in a while, I encourage people, just find, you know, a good place where you can just go and just say, today, I'm just going to enjoy my heritage. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy what I have labored for. Amen. Now, we have to also acknowledge the fact that there are things that we, as God grants us the grace and the opportunity that we work for and we labor and we come up with and we develop and, and certain things that when we do, they work for us, right? We grew up in families where there, there, there was a way of doing things. There was a way um, how maybe our, our parents, our families operated and, 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 and most of those things, you know, they were convinced that they are working for them. It's part of our heritage and they were handed down to us. And we as the children of God, we must always be, be careful 
not to just receive and take anything from our predecessors, or let me put it this way, ancestors. So that we, we are not just going to take something simply because it worked for somebody else. Yes, it is part of our heritage, and yes, we talk that language to say it is important for us to know who we are and where we come from, even though sometimes I have a problem with us as Christians when we engage in that particular statement because we end up looking for our identity in wrong places. Because who Christ has made us to be should be enough. As a child of God, you have no business seeking for identity from natural things. From the things of this world. If you are ever going to look for... It's difficult to preach about these things in a... Yeah. <laughs> if you are ever going to be looking for your father that you do not know, your mother that you do not know, never do it simply because you feel like you are not complete. You, you, you see the tension in the room now. It's like, what, what do you mean? I mean, I need to know where I come from, who I am. No, who you are is in Christ. The Bible says we are complete in him, Jesus. That scripture delivered me. You are, you are complete in him. You are complete in him. It, it needs to uh, register in our spirits as the children of God that who Christ is in my life and who he has made me to be is enough for me to make it through in this life. There's absolutely nothing of this world that is missing in your life that can ever cause you not to fulfill your destiny in Christ. So maybe we must have other reasons, but not that we feel like we are not complete. So after that, God has given us all of these things and after we, we have received whatever form of heritage, we must be careful not to worship the heritage. Yes. We must be careful not to worship the heritage because our problem is that as much as there's beauty in our heritage, there's beauty in what was handed down to us, the first mistake that we make is that we don't discern between the heritage that comes from God because as we are going to see in just a moment, there is, there is a heritage that comes from God and it needs to dominate in any other heritage or form of heritage that we, that we receive, Barcelona. But the, the second mistake that we, that we make is that after that we, we have a tendency of lifting our heritage above God. As if God now has, you know, <laughs> he must be subjected to all of these things that were passed down to us. And the sad part is that even as Christians, we become adamant that God comes second when it comes to our heritage. We regard ourselves as Africans who are Christians rather than Christians who are Africans. Most of us, 
Businda ukulunkulunkulu ogiti. You see, I've, I've been around KZN for quite a while, so there are certain things that I feel like I can say now, you know, without being afraid of. <laughs> and, 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 and it's not just Ubzulu, but even us as Ndebelas, it can, you can find a, 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 a Christian man who insists to run his family as a Zulu man. Or in development. That, yeah, course. It, it, it's almost like I must, especially the poor wife and children, must be subjected to Ubu Ndebele Bako, Nobu Kosa Bako, Nobu Zulu Bako, than Ubu Christu Bako. This is when now we have just taken our heritage from our predecessors as raw as it is. And we did not filter it through the lens of the heritage that comes from God. Of course, the shirt that you are wearing, it does not mean anything. But as soon as the way that I think, the way that I behave, the way that I treat others flows from being a debele, that's when the problems begin. We have begun to idolize the heritage. Deuteronomy 4 verse 19 says, And take heed, lest you lift up your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship. You feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people under the whole heaven as a heritage. So even God himself says, even what I have given you, don't bow down to worship it. Enjoy it, indulge in it, but it was never meant to push you to worship. That's why when God describes idolatry, he says something that you have made with your own hands. And many of us, it might not be, you know, our ancestors or anything like that. Many of us, we worship our jobs. Many of us, we worship the money we have, the car we have, the house we have. If I have to choose between God and, and, and the money, I will, I will choose the money. <laughs> this is when the heritage has become the idol. Amen. Never fall in love with the gift more than the giver of the gift. Amen. Never. Never let the gift change you into becoming an idol worshiper. And God has a tendency, especially to us as Christians, God has a tendency of, of taking exception if he has to be in competition with what he has given you. And he will come for it. He will come for it. He will come for it. God will take anything and remove anything in our lives that seems to be competing. He will not think twice. <laughs> and you don't have to, you see, the, the challenge is that sometimes when we read the Bible, we, we choose what we want to take from it. You see, you don't have to be at fault for God to test you. Yeah, you, you don't have to commit sin for God to just say, let me see who's first in your life. Job, the Bible says he was a righteous man. He didn't do anything wrong. 
It's just that God just wanted to show the devil how faithful Job is. Take anything from him and just don't touch his soul. How many of us will stop coming to church if it can happen that from tomorrow you're going to lose your job, lose your house, lose your car, lose your wife, lose your children, lose everything that you have? How many of us will simply say, no, I'm just going to leave everything. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to go. They are lying to us. My God. Have you seen my servant Jacob? Can you imagine God having a conversation with Satan about me? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Have you seen my servant goodwill? <laughs> it's like, look, on that day, Job, I mean, the, the devil was not even thinking about Job. He said, I, I don't have anything to do. That's why I came to see you. And God brought it to his attention. Have you seen my servant Job? Hey! Unprovoked. Have you seen my servant Job? And Job, the Bible says, he was a faithful man. He used to wake up every morning, pray for his family, pray for his children. Like, like everything, he was doing everything right. How many of us, that when even when we give to God, it's conditional. I will give as long as you do one, two, three, and four. And if that does not happen, I'm, I'm even going to stop giving. Hi. What, what happens when you tithe and still it looks like there's a devourer in your life? What do you do? Well, what do you do after confessing everything that has been promised to you in the scripture and the opposite happens? Even though God promises us all things, but he does not want those things to take priority. He says, seek ye first the kingdom and all else shall be added unto you. Are we together as a line? Now God is the ultimate source of all that which is good. God is the bestower of gift. I mean, of gifts. I mean, if there's somebody who knows how to give gifts, it is God. I mean, when you wake up early in the morning, the first thing that you and I should be doing is to thank God for everything that is around us because it comes from God. Our prayers should not be, you know, prayers of just demanding and asking, but sometimes we just need to take it, not even sometimes, always we need to take a moment of just thanking God that my eye, I opened my eyes this morning and I was able to see. I stood up and I was able to walk. I took my first breath and I was able to breathe. My goodness, I was able to eat and I, I was able to taste something. We should be grateful. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. 
and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, we cannot receive anything good unless it was given to us by God. It does not matter who you are. It does not matter whether you are a Christian or not, whether you are saved or you are not saved, whether you, you acknowledge God, whether you are an atheist or you are a polyatheist or whatever the case may be. But anything that we have under the sun, it is from God. John 3 verse 27, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. God is the ultimate source of everything. That's why we must always trust him. Always depend on him who gives us all things. And not trust the things or depend on the things that he gives to us. The Bible says he gives us all things richly to enjoy. But don't depend on that which God has given you. Don't depend on it. It's deceiving. You see, gifts from God, they are very deceiving. They can tell you that you have arrived. I mean, if you can wake up tomorrow and you have 100 million in a bank account, man, there are a lot of questions I can ask myself. Do I still need to preach? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm being honest. I know you are holy, righteous. You are a child of God. You are not going to ask yourself such questions. But I will have a moment to say, man, I have 100 million rands in my bank account. Do I have to wake up early in the morning? And I mean, this morning I woke up 3 a.m. in the morning. I don't need this. I have 100 million. I mean, I can go to Dubai. Do one or two things before, I mean, why you, you, I mean, one or two things, you know, I can, I have options because money gives you options. Do I want latte or cappuccino? Do I want uh, 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 filet mignon? Or do I want salmon? <laughs> gives me options. Hi. But if I understand Hepos, calling, destiny, I will understand that the 100 million is nothing but a resource to help me fulfill the calling and the assignment. It's a tool. See, God, when, when God gives you a car, it's a tool. It's not you. It's not your identity. That's why many of us, if you get fired from work, you are afraid of coming out of your home. Because all along, your identity was derived from your job. If, if they repossess that car, you're in deep depression. You, you don't want to be seen by your friends. You don't want to hang out with your friends anymore. Why? Because you felt accepted because of the kind of a car you drive. What a, what a pity. Don't depend on that car. It's great. It's a good gift. It comes from God. Like I said earlier, enjoy it. It's yours but don't trust it. Don't depend on it. Don't lean on it. That thing, tomorrow, it can be gone. And you don't want when it goes, it takes a piece of you with it. 
it steals your identity, your joy, your peace. And, and it, it may sound rich coming from me standing from here. I mean, I'm preaching, right? But of course, there are things that when they happen in our lives, we get disturbed. We get worried from time to time. I have to snap out and remind myself, why are you so worried? I mean, I'm reminded of uh, the story of Jonah. You remember when Jonah uh, 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 was sent by God to go and, and, and preach in one place? So you must forgive me. Each time I talk about these incidences in the Bible where there's a, there's a place where somebody was supposed to go to and they did not go, or there was Cain and Abel. Someone killed another one. So I have to think long and hard. Who killed who? So even when between Nineveh and Tashish, I have to think which one did he not go to? So, so when he did not go to Tashish, right? He did not go to Nineveh. He went to So, But afterwards, the storm came. And the, remember, there was a moment where he sat and he was, I mean, there was a sun. He was scorched by the sun. Then all of a sudden, God gave him the shade, right? And when he was enjoying the shade, what happened? It withered. It went away. And then when he started complaining, God just said, why are you complaining about something that I provided? I mean, you, you see, this is us in most cases. We, we live our lives, we discover about everything else here. We are being given by God things. And then when, they, when we lose these things, all of a sudden we feel like our world is gone. When this thing, you found it here, there was a time where you lived without it. That's why when Adam, I love that story so much, it ministers to me. That after Adam sinned and, 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 and God came and they said we, we were hiding because we were naked. And God said, who told you that you are naked? And, and not because they were naked for the first time. They were naked all along. The difference was they, it did not matter. But as soon as the enemy spoke, it mattered. Many of us, we, we, can, we, can, we can be fine with not having certain things, but simply because there's somebody who said a comment in passing about your situation. You are now depressed for the next four weeks because somebody said something, made a comment about something that you've been facing for the past two years anyway, and you were living your life in peace. But on that day, the enemy amplified his voice about that matter, and it drove you to depression. Especially when he knows that your breakthrough is around the corner. When the enemy knows that you are about to break through, you are, you are about to step into something greater, you are about to experience the, the goodness of God, the favor of God, he steps in and he just says something and then he continues on with his life and, and you pause all of a sudden, you stop moving because that is what the devil wants to do. He wants to cause you to stop believing, stop praying, stop taking that one step of faith, stop meditating on the word of God because, because once he says something, you just lock yourself in the room, stay depressed, stop praying, stop believing God and stop expecting something from God. That's all that, because we tend to hold on to things that God said, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. You remember when Paul said, I have this thing that bothers me, Lord. And, and please remove it. 
He says three times I asked. And God, while he was noticing that he was suffering from this thing, God did not remove it. He said, my grace is sufficient. Keep going. My grace is sufficient. This sickness is not unto death. Keep going. My grace is sufficient. Lord, it's been three years. I'm not working. My grace is sufficient. You are still breathing today. You are still alive today. You are still eating today. You are still walking today. You still have roof over your head today. Keep going. My grace is sufficient, he said. You are not going to die. Oh, Lord, I'm already in the grave. I'm, I'm, I'm probably Lazarus in the grave. You're saying, but, but what's the deal? I'm, I'm, I'm now in the grave. You said, you said this sickness is not unto death. First day goes by. Second day goes by. Third day goes by. Fourth day, Lazarus, come forth. Why? My grace is sufficient. That's why he says, even when you go through the fire, you are not going to be consumed. He does not say you are not going to face the fire. He says, when you go through the fire, you are not going to be bent. Going through the fire, you will go through the fire. It will look like you are going to be consumed. It will feel like you are about to die tomorrow. My sister, my brother, you are not about to die. You are not about to be crushed. You are not about to be destroyed. You are hard pressed on every side, but you are not going to be destroyed. You are not, you are not about to die. His grace is sufficient. Keep moving. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep doing what God said you must do. Keep, keep, keep giving. Keep worshiping. Keep praising God. Just keep on doing what God told you to do. His grace is sufficient. When you are going through the waters, you are not going to drown. I know the waves are huge. They look like they're about to kill you. I know you think you are not going to survive this week that is ahead of you. I know it feels like you're thinking, God, if you don't show up today, I'm going to die. I'm not going to. Let me tell you, you're not going to die. You will survive another day. You will survive another week. You will survive. You will live and not die. You will survive. You will be okay. You will get over it. And all I know is that God will not move out of our desperation. If God wants you to go through it, you will go through it. Oh, even if you are in the den of lions, the lions will be there looking, looking at you. But he is not going to take you out of the lion's den. But he will shut the mouths of mouths of the... But the lions will be there. I don't know about you. I don't have to wait for the lion to eat me. For me to be afraid. Just to be next that thing. In Joburg, we have what they call Lion's Park. You can walk with the lions. You can tap them. You can um, what, cuddle or pet them and whatever. <laughs> and my kids were trying to convince me. I said, please, I love my life. If you want to go, here's your mother. Here's the car. Go. Me, I still need to preach the gospel. Me, I still need to go to the nations. That thing is a lion. It does not have to bite me for, for, for me to panic. If it's approaching, what I know is that you and I are not supposed to be in the same space. Finish. I'm that kind of a guy, Paul. I don't, I don't risk with him. I, I love my life. I still want to live. Even if you can say, ah, man, it's so cute. It's a... Cute. What? If you have a dog in your house and you invite me, I will come. But please make sure 
You don't just close the door. You lock the door. Close all the windows. Don't just, don't just minimize the risk. Get rid of the risk. Eliminate the risk. You see, when the security people install the alarm, they say it does not eliminate the risk. It minimizes it. So for me to visit your house, if you have a dog, don't just minimize. Just get rid of the risk. Yeah, yeah. you don't know the trauma I'm facing now in my own house, Mashang. My daughter has a, has a dog in my house. I'm uncomfortable in my own home. And, I, and, and she comes with it and she's like, Dad, I'm like, please, keep your distance. Me, I love my life. There's a reason why it's called a dog. I can't even reason with it. Sometimes he tries to convince me. He says, look, when, when, I, when, when I tell him to sit, he's going to sit. Take sit. And just when I look away, he sits. When I look back, he's, he's standing. I'm like, you see? Okay, let's close, let's close, let's close. Say, God is the ultimate source. Whatever that we receive from God, our responsibility is to, number one, preserve it. Number two, pass it on to the next generation. Because when God gives it to us, it is not just for ourselves. So in other words, Barcelona, our heritage is from God primarily. Our heritage comes from God. The Bible talks about the heritage of the land, the heritage of the blessings of those who fear his name, the heritage of the power of his works, the heritage of great testimonies that are given, you know, all throughout the scriptures. When God does something, he leaves a generation with a testimony so that we can pass it on to the next generation and tell them about the greatness of God and tell them how God took us through difficult situations. It's a heritage for our children so that when they face similar situations, they are going to remember what is it that God has done for us. The Bible talks about our children being a heritage. The Bible says children are a heritage from God. It talks about the heritage of riches and wealth. But most importantly, not only does he give us a heritage, but he is also our heritage. Psalm 16 verse 5 says, the Lord is my heritage. But take note, the greatest heritage that God has given to us as his people, as the ultimate giver of gifts, Barcelona, the greatest gift that he has given you and I. The Bible says in Romans 6 verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. You and I, that is what we deserve. Why? Because we were all born as sinners. The Bible says none of us were born righteous. Not even a single one of us. But we were born in sin and we deserved the punishment of death. But the Bible says, but the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Peter was preaching in the book of Acts chapter number 2, his very first message, he preached this message until they, those who were listening, the Bible says they were convicted by the Holy Spirit and they asked, what shall we do? Yeah. And he said, Re repent. Amen. Said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, he said. And you shall receive, take note, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I'm blessed by verse 39, he says, for the promise is to you and to your children. 
So this is something that God did not just want us to receive and indulge in it, but he wanted us to pass it on to the next generation. He wanted, wanted us to pass it on to our children. He wanted us to pass it on to the third generation. Why? Because God is a generational God. Our God is a generational God. In S3 verse 13, the Bible says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So in other words, you need to understand, the minute you become a parent, what you have experienced from him, he does not want it to end with you. He wants to pass it on to your children. And not only them, to their children. That's why the Bible says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That's why all of them, all throughout scripture, when God was dealing with Solomon, for an example, he will make reference to his father. He will say, as you have dealt with your servant, David. Why? Because God is a generational God. Lamentation 5 verse 19, the Bible says, you, O Lord, remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. God does not want to be relevant in one generation and irrelevant in the next generation. He wants to be in touch in every generation. What he begins in one generation, he wants to continue doing in the next generation. He may just develop or improve what he has started, but he wants to always finish it and continue with it in the next generation. And his greatest desire, Bazalwane, is to pass on this greatest gift of salvation that he has given to us. That's why we have to preserve it. That's why we have to protect it because the biggest debt we owe the next generation, our children and their children, it is the heritage of salvation. Amen. I see in most cases we labor too hard, Pastor G, to prepare for the next generation. We, 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 we will do whatever it takes to maybe take life covers and maybe have some investments and maybe, but what are we doing in terms of ensuring that the next generation will not miss this great gift of salvation that God wanted us to enjoy, that God wanted us to use it to escape death that we so much deserve. Listen to what the book of Isaiah 51 verse 8 says. For the month will eat them up like a garment and the worm will eat them like wool, it says. But my righteousness says will be forever. Take note. And my salvation from generation to generation. It says my salvation from generation to generation. I always say, Bazalana, that you have not yet experienced Experienced the impact of salvation until you wish it for somebody else. For as long as you just want to keep it for yourself and enjoy it, it has not yet eaten you up. The salvation is not just for us to enjoy and hide away with it. We need to come out with it. We need to look at our children with compassion and with desire and zeal in our hearts. And say, if there's one thing I desire for you, it is for you to know God. Above the money that I can leave for you, the good education I can give to you, the house and the car I can buy for you, what I wish for you above everything else is for you 
to experience salvation that comes from God. And this salvation, the coming generations have got to know that it is by grace. As I close, because all of us under the sun, we know that we need salvation. All of us under the sun, we know that we need just more than what we have and what we have accumulated in life. All of us, look around at work. You will see different things as Angel Zamandu. Ah, you will see day offs that are taken because people are going somewhere. Yes, yes, yes. From time to time when you walk inside the office, there's a certain smell that you are going to pick up. Why? Because people know I need salvation. I need something more than a gun to protect me. I, I need something more than a medical aid to protect me. I need something more than a job in order for me to live a prosperous life. I need somebody somewhere out there to do something for me because salvation is preservation. Salvation is protection. Salvation is good health. Salvation is prosperity. So all of us, we live our lives knowing that we need something. That's why we work so hard. To make sure, that's why many of us, you grew up, you were being threatened. If you don't do this, yeah. <laughs> if you don't do that, things are not going to work out for you. If you don't do this, if you don't go, if you don't do this ceremony, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, before you get married, if you don't do one, two, three, and four, your marriage is not going to last. Because this salvation that we know that we need, because every man is in desperate need of salvation. The only problem is that we were always told that you have to work for it. This is a school, a city. So we are working so hard. We are toiling day and night. And let me tell you, if we are going to leave a heritage of salvation for our children, it has to be a grace heritage. We, 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 we owe it to the next generation to tell them that there is a God in heaven. And, and this God of heaven has sufficient grace for each and every one of us. This God in heaven, Uti he says, come and let us reason together. This God of heaven does not say, go and sort your life first before you can have a relationship with me. But he says, come and let us reason together. He says, come because there's one who has already done the work for you. It says come that's why the Bible tells us that salvation is of the Lord it is only God who can save us we were told that we have got to work hard for, for the salvation of our families for the salvation and the security of our jobs we were told we have got to toil do this and that I mean all of us manuals that we can write of being told the things that you must do before you get married. The things that you must do before you, you bury someone. The things that you must do before you start your job. The things that you must do, whatever it is, you know. We were told of so many different works and how many of you know that sometimes these things sound different all the time depending on who's telling you. I mean the greatest nightmare I've ever experienced in my life is to go for lobola negotiations on behalf of church members. I ended up resigning. I said, not again. Hi, because this thing changes all the time. 
You go to this family, they tell you this. They tell you that, like, this is seven I'm like, oh my goodness. And then when you start to adjust and you're trying to contextualize this thing and, and you go to another family, it's different. You go to another one. All of these works that are telling us this thing must be done this way in order for it to work out. The most painful one was when one of our church members that we sent to school paid for to go to school and she graduated. The first job she worked to be employed. I, I was the one who organized it. And when I was sitting in the Lobola negotiations on behalf of the, of, the, of, the, of the groom, the father tells me to my face, Yeah, that was the day I resigned. He tells me, I'm like, you refused to sign surety when your daughter went to school. When they needed somebody to sign, you refused. I had to put my name on the line. So that if she does not pay, call me. And as of course they called me. Yeah. And today you have the nerve yeah. to tell me that you are going to charge on the basis of her education. Is that how much she's worth? She's, she's worth. It's crazy. I'm sorry to say this as a black person. I hate Lobola with every fiber of my being. I hate it. I hate it. That's why I'm not ready to collect Lobola for my daughter. When she gets married, I'm buying her a car in a house when she gets married. Hey, what my owns? I don't want no Lobola. For what? We are African. Okay, what does it mean? What, what does it mean? Pastor G, what does it mean? What, what does it mean? For expenses for for, for the daughter did not ask to be born. When that decision was made, she was not there. I was the one who decided on her behalf that she must be alive. The least I can do is to provide for her, take care of her, send her to school, and she owes me nothing. As a matter of fact, as long as I'm still breathing, I owe her everything. If things don't work out somewhere there, she can always come back home. I will still take care of her. Even if she's 50, she's my daughter. She's my offspring. I gave birth to her. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pay for that wedding. Yes. I'll, I'll pay if the, if the, if the Mkwenyana does not have money. It's okay. I'll, I'll help you. The only thing I need from him is to take good care of my daughter. It's the only thing I need from him. I always tell my daughter, she says, so the day I bring a, 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 a boy at home once, I said, if he can just spend a week with me every day, just a week with me, then that's okay. If he can survive that week with me every day. Yeah, yeah. If he can just survive that every day for, for seven days. When he wakes up, he comes to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, even if Magapelobtong or 3XN, he must come. I have got millions of questions to ask him. I need to know who he is. I need to know the demons that are in his heart. I, I need to know the condition of his... I don't care whether he speaks in tongues. I need to know the condition of his soul. 
I, I, I'm not happy about the fact that he's just going to give me a hundred thousand rands and then I'm going to close my eyes to the fact that he might wake up tomorrow and murder my daughter. No ways. I, I need to know what kind of offenses have you gone through? How did your father treat you? How did your mother treat you? How, how many? Uh, I need to know all of them demons in the closet first. There's no amount of money that can replace that. No amount of money. I've been in Lobola negotiations where the in-laws did not even care. They did not even talk to Mkonya. And all that they were concerned about was the amount of money he can pay. They don't even know where he stays. When he takes this girl and runs away, with, they will not know where to knock. The devil is a liar. So the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved. And it is through faith. What is it that I need to do, God, to get this salvation as we stand on our feet? It says, believe in Jesus. He has already done the work. He has already done the work to fix your marriage. He has already done the work to fix your career, your business. He has already done the work to break the curses. He has already done the work to, to remove anything that might be an obstacle in your life. He has already done the work to bring healing in your life. He has already done the work for financial breakthrough and prosperity. He has already done the work. All that you need to do is to believe in him. Because this gift of salvation was given to us for free. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to pay for it. Why? Jesus paid for it. When he was on the cross and he said, it is finished. He meant it is fully paid for. Every debt that we ever owed God was paid for by Jesus. And that is our heritage. To tell our children. That you know what Jesus has done it for you. All that you have to do is to fix your eyes on him. All that you have to do is to believe in him. That he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. This is the only person who can be your ever present help even in the time of need. This is the only person who can give you your identity. This is the only person who can break every curse. In other words, there is no human being alive who can pronounce a curse that can reverse and cancel what God has declared upon my life. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient in my life. The grace of God that granted me this gift of salvation that we need to cherish and say it is not just for me it is for my children and for their children what we owe to the next generation Barcelona, is to preserve this salvation and not anything add anything to it preserve it protect it and pass it on to them and say here's the gift that God has given us more than any other gift that he has given to us, prophecy. He has given us the gift of being an apostle or whatever the case may be. But he has the greatest one, the salvation. And the least we can do is to tell them, preserve it. Protect it. Because it is the gospel of grace. It is the gospel that tells people there is a God in heaven 
who cares for you. There is a God in heaven who loves you. There is a God in heaven who is more closer to you than you are to yourself. There is a God in heaven that whenever you are broke, you are down and out. He is the one who says, I do not sleep nor slumber. I am the one who is mindful of you. I will be more concerned about your future. He is the one who says, do not worry about tomorrow. He says he feeds the birds of the air. He clothes the plants. How much more will he care for you? He's the one who knows the number of your hair. He's the one who knows you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And he says, I have already ordained you. He is the one who has your future in his, in his hands. The God of grace is the God of love. He's the God who does not need a performance from, from me. He does not need me to be, you know, in order and whatever. He says, I've given you the blood of my son. And he says, with boldness, you can come anytime. He says, I don't, we don't come in our name. We don't come in our own works. We don't come to say, because I've done this right and done that, but I come in the name of Jesus Christ. And when he looks at me, he sees his son who died for me on the cross of Calvary. When he looks at me, he sees the sacrifice of Jesus. When he looks at me, he sees the redemption price that Jesus paid on the cross. When he looks at me, he remembers his son hanging on the cross and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. When he looks at me, he sees me for who I am in Christ. Hidden in Christ. That's why everything about the, the a believer says in Christ. As long as I'm hidden in him. As long as I'm hidden in him. That is going to protect a child. Let's not deceive our children. Let me even take it to the next level. There's no education that is going to secure their success and prosperity in life. Let's not deceive them and tell them that every education is everything. I love education. I value education. We send kids to school. But education is not everything. We need salvation from God. That's the one that when witches want to come for you. <laughs> he says, I'll pass over you because of the mark of the blood over my life. Oh, we, we need to tell our children that you need salvation. That is, that is the one that even when, I love it when Paul, uh, when David puts it this way, he says, where can I hide from you? He says, even though I can make my bed in hell, he says, behold, you are, with, you are there. So in other words, when I am praying for my children, it does not matter where they go. It does not matter where they end up. All I know is that the grace of God can pull them out of a nightclub. The grace of God can pull them out of the darkest place. Let me tell you this. Pastor Lungindala, my friend, who was here during our one-year celebration, Amen. pastor's kid, mm. he went his way, he went wild. One day he was sitting in a club. In a club. Hey. At night. Ziwa. And a voice said to him, this is not where you belong. Says he sobered up instantly. Said he packed his things, told his friends, I'm leaving. Yeah. And you will never ever see me here again. And he walked out. Followed the Lord. And today he's a pastor. Amen. Just a week ago, his father handed over the whole entire Greek church to him to lead. The grace of God will collect you from wherever. Why? As long as 
the first generation says, the generation after us will not have to work for this thing. We are paving a way so that they can know that there is a God in heaven with whom salvation belongs. Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you that we can always run to you. For any issue that we might be faced with. Thank you that you are our ever-present help in the time of need. Even in our nation, we say send salvation. Upon our families, oh God, we need your salvation. In our cities, we need your salvation. We need your saving grace. And today we are so grateful for this word that gives us this heritage of grace to know that we don't have to deserve this salvation for us to enjoy it. But you give it to us for free. Because Jesus came and paid the price. And today, even as your children, we recommit ourselves to you. We say we want to cease from our dead works. Trying to secure our salvation through dead works that don't mean anything before you. But we want to come back to you. To those works that are appointed by you. Operating from a place of grace. We thank you. That is from today we are going to walk out of this room knowing. That there is a God of salvation. We don't have to be afraid. That whenever we are told that. There are cases following us. Misfortune. Bad luck. I'm a bad DA, Nyama Ekrito will know that your salvation has taken care of all of that. In Sindisoya Kunkulungulu Eti Pelele. It took care of our past. It is taking care of our present. And it is also going to take care of our future. Because we are justified by the blood of Jesus. Thank you that one day at the coming of your son we will not have to stand and explain ourselves, but the blood will speak on our behalf and say, these are those who have dipped their clothes under the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we are covered under the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we are surrounded by the blood of Jesus. And above all, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for each and every one of us. That whenever we are weak, you are always strong. Your grace is sufficient. You never run out of your grace for me. Each and every day, Father, your grace is sufficient. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. 
Thank you very much and keep on building.